Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. Welcome to Gaze at the National Parks. I'm Dusty. And I'm Mike. Gaze at the National Parks is a podcast that explores America's national parks through its trails. We usually take one park at a time, exploring one or two trails within that park within a larger format episode. And Mike, it is finally Libra season. It is Libra season. I've like entered into my full power now. Yes. My full oscillating power, (laughs) (laughs) just spinning around in circles. What are your Libra superpowers? Um, Indecision. Well, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually would not consider or classify you as to be an indecisive person. I can be at some points. Sure. Yeah. It's not that you're indecisive. It's that you see from all angles. I do. I see all of the you beauty. You see the value and, and all the beauty. Of the potentials. And all of the angles. Yeah. Um, so seeing the beauty and all of the angles and potentials. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say that I am like a very clear like scorekeeper like I know when things are like balanced and unbalanced and Uh so I make sure to call that out um, all the time all the time (laughs) literally anytime we play 20 questions on the trail I don't care at all about counting how many questions I've used or not yeah even if it's like my turn or your turn Mm -hmm. because I know that you are always counting how many questions i'm always counting you're always keeping score that's right did you get an extra piece of gum not on my watch that's right yeah oh this piece of bread that we're splitting Mm -hmm. it looks like that one's a little larger than this other one true i am very much a scorekeeper (laughs) and this i know what are my other libra superpowers your green thumb oh yeah i have i do mean this while astrology is something that some people believe in and other people don't, we here at Gaze at the National Parks love it. I think it's so much fun. <laughs> right. But we do. I have never met a Libra that doesn't have plants just everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like literally everywhere, like inside, outside. Yeah. You know, I do love my plant babies. Mm-hmm. They give me joy. And you like you gotta you gotta take care of them and you gotta tend to them and you gotta I know. you don't want to give them life. You don't want to be the only one in your space no. that has a life force. No, which is why I think I have so much global warming anxiety. Yes. I'm like, we need to plant trees, people, like uh-huh. a trillion trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why you also just want all the dogs. Yeah, 
all of them. All of them. All dogs. the time. Yeah. Dogs and plants. Dogs and plants. That's that's your memoir title. <laughs> it's not, but it could be. Right. Dogs mm-hmm. and plants. At least a chapter in your memoir. Mm-hmm. Looking for adventure, I want to follow on the trail Or get a little lost and let the wind fill my sails Get up when the stars still fill the sky, don't wake the sun There's so much to be done, and the day has just begun Go where the postcards are real, you can feel You can open your eyes, and open your heart when you get at the National Park. Follow you, I'll follow you there. At the National Park. At the National Park. Follow you, I'll follow you there. This is part three of our exploration of Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. That's right. Uh, We've been there in the two previous full-length episodes, and um, we have done the following trails. The Sulphur Banks Trail, the Crater Rim Trail, the Halamaumau Trail, and the Kilauea Iki Trail, which took us across what used to be, or is technically an active crater. And today we're going to be exploring the Devastation Trail, the Chain of Craters Road, and the Petroglyph Trail. On our last episode, we left off after being confused about what the Devastation Trail was and where it actually started. So Here is where my confusion began. Hawaii Volcanoes National Park was very clear on their map about what was a road and what was a trail. Right. All of the maps had been updated in the park when we were there. To to basically explain what was closed and what was open because of the eruption. So when we walked across this trail whatever it was and we got to the other side <laughs> the connecting trail. we were kind of back to where we had just left from yeah i was like wait what i was a little confused yeah i think we were both a little confused we were both a little yeah. confused so we were like well we just felt like nene crossing nene all over the place <laughs> nene which is the hawaii state bird yeah and it is pronounced nene that's right can we just say that all of the signs for nene do not say the nene in front of them no. it's like do not feed nene yeah Nene crossing, That's Nene right. territory. It just feels like a person. It does feel like a person. Our friend Nene. Our friend Nene. That's right. Isn't Nene the name from um, Nosedive from Black Mirror? Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. She was trying to get to Nene's she wedding. She was trying to get to Nene's wedding. That's right. Our friend Nene. Yes. Who in kindergarten <laughs> or whatever. When we made Mr. Rags. Yeah. In camp when we made Mr. Rags. Yeah. God, Bryce Dallas Howard. Doing the Lord's work there. Doing the Lord's work in that episode of Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. So we're here and confused and we're like, okay, well, we need to turn around and we need to go back to the parking lot and regroup. Yeah. And that is what we did. Yeah. We turned back around. We left the lady with the four beautiful, excited children. Right. We passed the couple with the private tour guide mm-hmm. who, who were, were really into the, the idea that they were in yes they are having an authentic experience mm-hmm. and then we headed down back toward the parking lot right so we passed the gravelly area we passed some vegetation we passed the nene sign again passed the nene sign again and we are back to the parking lot right. i was looking at the map and i was like 
I think the devastation trail, I say with air quotes, is this road yeah. over here to the right. Yeah. And it was. Yeah. It was a literal road. And now the road had been blocked off. Right. We were at the end of the parking lot. We had to walk across the parking lot. And there was a road that we were looking at. And then we turned right and there was another road. Mm-hmm. And the devastation trail is technically this road to the right. Yeah. And the road was closed. The road was closed because of um, cracks in the roadway and actual literal chasms that had opened up in the road surface after this latest eruption. So it was no longer a drivable road, but like Dusty was saying, you could walk down the road. So it's like a very flat, doable trail, which is kind of nice. The road will take you down kind of the terminal end is a bridge at the very end of it, but there are overlooks along the way. So it's not all that long. And it is flat, so it's kind of like a nice trail. It was like nice to do towards the end because we were both tired. We were tired. Yeah. I remember my feet uh, at this moment. My feet were like really grateful yeah. that we were on. Like a paved surface. A paved surface. Yeah. I think it is important to note here too is that we have talked about hiking boots a lot on this show Mm -hmm. and why we love our waterproof hiking boots and where we get them from. And you can hear that in our trail mix about gear. Mm -hmm. We did not wear hiking boots in Hawaii. Right. We wore hiking shoes. Right. You had like a sandal. You had like a a, water shoe hiking shoe. A water shoe hiking sandal that was sort of like strappy and like, but had like a nice firm sole. And that was open. And it was open. And I got that so that we could go through water if we needed to. Right. And you just and I got a, like a shoe, like I got a high tech, um, which is a company I've bought shoes from before, or boots from before, and I really like their product. They're not an official sponsor, but um, they could be. This I was able to get as a shoe form, so it was low. It was like a low top, which was really nice because. Being on the plane, usually I have to wear the hiking boots because I don't have enough room in my bag to just pack them. I will bring another pair of sneakers so I don't have to be in hiking boots the entire time I'm away. But this was like a way more comfortable way to be able to fly and also know that I had like proper footwear for when I was hiking. So I was very grateful for getting these extra pair of hiking shoes. And my hiking sandals were from Chacos. Mm-hmm. But I bought... I think we bought our shoes in the same place. That's right. Which was Sierra. Sierra. God, my favorite store. Yeah. I know. This is not an ad for Sierra, but it (laughs) might as well be because we absolutely love them. Right. Discounted outdoor gear. Yeah. And it's in the TJ Maxx Home Goods family. That's right. So just spend all your money there. Spend uh, whole paychecks. That's right. Right. Um, Um, So. It was really nice to walk down this road at this time. Yeah. So we're walking down the road and it is it is an honest to God paved two lane road. Mm -hmm. And there are off to the right, just little lookouts that you could pull off to. And by pull off, I mean, like with your body, you know, (laughs) walk down and look out. Right. I do remember there was an enormous tour group ahead of us. Right. It was like at least like 20 to 30 people like walking ahead of us on the road. There was like another couple that was with us, too, that were like not like with us, but like along and very near us. But there was a gigantic group like very far ahead, which we would meet up with later, which we would was meet interesting. Up with later. Yeah. There were actual like three foot cracks in this road. Mm-hmm. They had put metal sheets going across the cracks so that you, you could get across. So we crossed those and then we finally make it to how many pull offs were there? 
there were at least I think like two or three. There were two or three. We made it before down you got to the main like lookout to the main lookout at the end, and that is when we met up with this group. Yeah, which was a very large group of tourists, mm-hmm. and two of them looked like they were religious figures. Yeah, it seemed very like ceremonial. Whatever was happening, whether it was some sort of ritual or just celebration, some sort of like return reunion to this crater site. It was really interesting to see because we'd never seen something like that in a national park before. And obviously, these are lands of different native peoples and lands that people have different sorts of connections to. So it could have very well been like some sort of ceremony that was related to the land itself, which again, we didn't get a chance to stop and talk to them. They were on this like very clear like mission. They were like hiking out yeah, there. And then, I was really curious yeah. about why they were there as a large group. It did sort of seem that they were like tending to the two religious figures. Um, yeah. Like, you know, holding their hands as they were, you know, walking through the crowds yeah. and things like that. It was like they made it to the final pull off. They were there for a few minutes and then they headed back. It was like a, a pilgrimage. Yeah, that's seemed. what it did feel like. Yeah. It and seemed. someone was filming too. So like it was very clear that this was something that was important. Just like not like a regular Tuesday afternoon. It was like, oh, this is an important thing and that we're doing this. And it all, it seemed like they were all mostly family from like, especially because we caught up with them on the way back. They were getting Hey, into, we've got to go to the airport and drop yeah. so-and-so off. And like, yeah, it was like super, you know, family related there. But so. As we were walking down, we did stop and kind of were able to get to two of those kind of lookouts into the crater, um, which was really interesting to see this from another perspective, too. Here we're looking into the the caldera, the Kilauea caldera, and the Hilamaumau crater is there kind of like inside of that. So the thing is about this view versus looking into the Kilauea crater, this is where there is active steam rising. Like, I think we were walking and we're like, oh, look at that cloud. It's really low. And then we're like, oh, that's not a cloud. That's actually, that's vented gas coming out of the volcano. Yes. So that was like where you could kind of like get a sense of seeing the activity, air quotes, of the volcano. You weren't that close to the crater itself, the Hilamaumau crater, but you were close enough that you could kind of like see the edge of it. So it wasn't like you were peering into the crater itself, but you were on the edge of the caldera. This is kind of one of the closest areas in the park that you can get to the Hilamaumau crater. You couldn't really like physically see very deeply into it. There was a lot of steam and also it is still pretty far away. Yeah. But what I really like about the map that was created by the National Park Service for Hawaii Volcanoes National Park is they list on different places on the map of the caldera where the lava flows were and from what year. So like you're looking at lava flows from 1982 or 1971 or before 1924 or 1974. They have it all listed so that you can you can see the differences. Yeah. Yeah. And I love context. Yeah. But we were able to spend like a decent amount of time at the bottom of the trail. And the final overlook is actually very wide. So you can walk down towards the bottom and get like a little bit of a like a closer look but like towards the top of that overlook it's kind of slanted there is like kind of like an outcropping of rock which like you can kind of get an even higher vantage point look at and that's like I went down to the bottom first and you kind of stayed up at the top and and kind of looked in but again you are seeing this like 
there's this volcanic gas that's like rising that looks just like clouds, like white puffy clouds that are kind of coming out. So that was kind of neat because the only other spot that we really were able to see that was when we were on the Sulphur Banks Trail where we saw that kind of volcanic gas escaping. When we looked from Crater Rim Trail earlier, that wasn't something that we could fully see at all. So no. And again, the day was kind of a little bit more overcast now. So I think the contrast of the gray sky and not having it be so sunny, like was you were able to see the the white clouds a little bit better and like realize that it was actually not clouds in the sky. They were coming from the crater itself. And with that, let's take a break. It's time to play One Has to Go. Great. Let's do this. In this game, we get three things, but one has to go. Yeah, forever right. and this, always. Um, the theme is iconic, iconic albums. albums. Go for it, Mike. Great. My three albums for you are Rumors by Fleetwood Mac, Abbey Road by The Beatles, and Tapestry by Miss Carol King. Miss Carol King. Um, literally, when I came up with mine, um, two of the three were in this list. Oh, so I'm going to have to readjust <laughs> Re- my adjust. list. Oh, Friends, that's hard. One house to go. Rumors. Oh. Sorry about it. That's all right. Can't I live understand. without my Beatles or my Carol King. There you go. Okay. Which two were in your list? Carol King and uh, Fleetwood Mac. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Okay. I'm doing iconic musical theater albums for you. Great, because you know. Because you're here for them. Because I am here for them. Are you ready? I am. Chicago, mm-hmm. Into the Woods, mm-hmm. Sunday in the Park with George. Um, probably Sunday in the Park with George, only because I do love it, but only because, you know. You know it less? I know it less. I've never actually seen the show, so oh, I've seen the other two shows. So, um, yeah, there's no context for me there, but I do like the music. There we go. There we go. Because these gays do love their musical That's theater. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yes. That's okay. Right. Okay, great. All right. So after looking at the Kilauea caldera and sort of into the Halamaumau crater for a while, we turned around and we headed back up the devastation trail, but really it was a road. It was a two-lane road. Right. And um, this two-lane road had some cracks in it because of the 2018 volcanic eruption. Mm -hmm. We were headed back up the Devastation Trail Road. We were sort of walking back with that big tourist group. Right. There was that man who kept sort of hovering over to the side. Yeah. And he would grab like a leaf. Off, yeah. of a, off of a plant. And then would he eat it or smell no, it? No, he was like wiping his snot on it, I feel like. I, he was doing yeah, something, he was doing was something very weird. strange. Yeah. And I was like, don't touch the plant. Yeah. I was like, very, yeah. Know, you know, the conservationist. Leave Brittany alone. Leave Brittany alone. <laughs> right. Seriously. Yeah. We saw that happening and that yeah. was strange. But then they, we all made it back to the parking lot and they were dispersing to airports and things. Mm-hmm. And so we got in the car and we were like, okay, let's head into this next area of the park, which is called the Chain of Craters Road. Right. So the Chain of Craters Road is basically a road that takes you from the visitor center level of the park down to the southern shore of the island. It's 19 miles long. It's a winding paving road that does make that connection for you from the top 
of the island down to the bottom. Uh, it's been closed several times due to lava flows. The original road was built in 1928, and it was originally built to reach the Makapuhi crater, and then it was extended to reach the town of Kalapana in 1959. So there have been some issues where the road itself was closed. The bottom of the road, where it kind of ends at its terminal at the sea arch that's down there, which is the Hole Sea Arch, there was more of a connection that would take you further along the edge of the islands, but since there have been lava flows, that has been closed off. It's kind of like a roadmap to seeing the different lava flows and how the island has changed and how the park has changed over time. There are different pull-offs that you can kind of see different lava pits at. There are overlooks there as well. But we were kind of working our way to just go down through the chain of craters to be able to kind of experience it. At this point, we had seen a lot of what the Volcanoes National Park had to offer. So we didn't really do too many pull-offs as we were traveling down the road. So I was the one driving the car on the Chain of Craters Road. Yeah, I have a bit of a fear of heights that um, you can hear a lot about in our (laughs) Angel's Landing episode, which is episode 10. Driving this day on the Chain of Craters Road was, well, it was crazy because we were really, really high up. And when you look out, the water line seemed to be very, very, very high. Yeah, the horizon was... The horizon line was just so high. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a wall of water. Yeah. That was really fun. Kind of freaky. It like Kind of freaky. Like, yeah. I, you know, angles and science yeah. and things. <laughs> angles know? and science and things. Angles and science and things. That's the title of your memoir. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Looking down, you're like, oh my God, we have to drive down to there. Yeah. And I mean, it, I was going fairly slow. But yeah. I mean, it took us a while. Yeah, it did. Um, I think when we talked to the guy, uh, the ranger in the visitor center, he was like, you know, if you do all the stops and, you know, the drive down, it could be like a two to three hour like drive, like yeah. experience sort of thing. And I think that, you know, we really made that call for ourselves that we wanted to go down to kind of the sea cliff and we wanted to like be able to experience that portion of the park. You know, we had hiked so many things that we thought the little offshoot hikes were kind of going to be... Like, we probably would have been able to just see everything from the car. Right. And we were already very tired. Right. So it and we had a pretty big sense. drive back from the bottom, back out of the park, back to our Airbnb, and then a flight early in the morning, the next morning to catch. So we were trying to optimize our time to the best of our ability. And optimize our energy. Yeah, yeah. So we were, we were like, yeah, we don't need to do a, a lot of pull-offs. As we were driving, it was it was beautiful view. There are so many things to see, and the ocean was just like the. I mean, you're just looking out into open ocean. Yeah, that just goes on and on and Hawaii, on. Hawaii, the land in the middle of the Pacific, yeah. basically. So you yeah. mentioned that a lot. You were like, we are literally on a rock in the middle of the ocean because <laughs> we were. Yeah, right. How you have mentioned often that you don't think you could live in a state that is landlocked that you would need to be able to access water yeah how did it feel being here in this place where there was no land and it was just water it was mm -hmm. (laughs) um i think that 
I just like having options. I think I think there's a lot of things because to think. Because you're a Libra. Because <laughs> you like having the yeah, option. So I like being able to drive places and to, you know, see things pretty easily and readily. I think that living on an island would, you'd probably adjust really easily. Um, growing up at the beach, pretty easily. it was, you know, it's, it's very familiar to me to be like surrounded by water. But for a while, unless it's a pretty big island, I think you'd probably get a little stir crazy. They talk a lot about that in um, a lot of uh, if you read anything about living in Hawaii uh-huh. they talk about that like, like people that move to Hawaii people after that move living to Hawaii. Like in the states that are right. like yeah so we make it down to the bottom of the chain of craters road mm-hmm. which as you you were literally driving down the side of basically volcanic eruptions yeah. walls and volcanic yeah. eruptions there's just tons of like streaks of where the lava flowed and like you can see it like coming down the sides of yeah. these crater mountains. Yeah. And I, um it was that was cool. Yeah. And I, you didn't really get a huge sense of it until you were at the bottom and you turned around and you looked. Right. And I also think too just seeing the texture, like getting out of the car at the bottom there and like seeing the sea arch and like you could see where lava had like flowed and cooled and like the patterns that were created by that cooling lava. And that was really neat to kind of experience because I think anywhere else that we were in the park, the crater was not like that. That was like almost all the same texture everywhere. Even when we were in the Sulphur Banks Trail, that wasn't the case. But here you could really see the effect that the lava had had how the flows looked and like exactly what that kind of like drying was like and how it kind of dried to create these really beautiful patterns in the in the rock once we had made it down all the way we parked the car a lot of people had parked right there at the end of the chain of craters road because at the end you can walk out to the ocean and you can see the hole sea arch it is a popular landmark that people often make sure they see when they go to Hawaii Volcanoes National yeah. Park. So we walked down the road a little bit. There were a ton of cars parked around. Yeah. There were restrooms right there. Um, we did make use of the restrooms. And then we um, walked out to uh, the ocean. And the way that you see this arch is you have to walk all the way to the wall. And then you have to like look down and turn right. And then you can see you the You kind of lean too. You got to kind of lean. Yeah. There were um, a lot of signage about like danger of falling danger of rogue waves that could like come up the seawall and like you know there were a lot there was a lot of signage for danger like yes. at this part and i felt totally safe yeah right you know standing where we were but like having to you know lean out a little bit to take a photo of the arch was a little nerve-wracking yeah you know a lot of people were yeah um but yeah like right down from us like there were gigantic waves like crashing into the you know the side of the land and like just like exploding straight upward yeah it was pretty powerful to see and really incredible seeing past like the lava flow that had closed the road there and seeing like what laid beyond it along the coast because here we're not terminating at a beach we are like literally it's like a sea cliff so everything we're raised above the ocean here and i would say we were i don't know like a few stories up at least like five or six stories it seemed like to to the ocean so um it was an impressive height too we got some photos here it was still beautiful it was sunny again like the greenness had sort of gone away at this time and so we sort of strategized about what did we want to do next we knew we had to take the chain of craters road back out yep we knew there were some things along the way that we could see if we wanted to see so we walked back to the car and then 
we started making our way down the chain of craters road again and with that let's take another break it's time for drag queen corner inspired by the group of tourists we saw earlier with the religious figures ladies gentlemen and everyone in between please welcome to the stage sarah money sarah money who is ceremony who is ceremony who is ceremony ceremony i think she is um i think she is a play on ceremony mm-hmm. and i think she makes everyday things ceremonies like rituals like, like small rituals small rituals right like yeah. the the art of like putting on gloves mm-hmm. is like an extraordinary event okay to ceremony and i think that's her gimmick in her shows okay I feel like that could almost be like in the way that like a burlesque act is where it's like very slow and purposeful, like removal of things. Yes. Yes. So is she kind of like a burlesque queen in that way? She is kind of like a burlesque queen. All right. The small, tiniest little bit of Mm -hmm. something is its own sort of ceremony. Right. So it becomes like this titillating act because it's done very like slowly and purposefully. I maybe perhaps yes <laughs> your face maybe perhaps yeah. I don't love the word titillating <laughs> like I think she has a whole shtick where she like makes a sandwich but it, like it involves like uh, she borrows a lot from various ceremonies okay so she gets her like um, her incense um, right sensor out and like just like walks down the runway of the drag show and starts the show like that. Oh, just yes. like it's balming a, incense it's everywhere. It's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. Everything is a ceremony right. to ceremony. That's right. Um, what kind of outfit is she wearing? Ta- I, talk to me about her wardrobe. I see her um, wearing caftans. <laughs> I think she would be the queen of like the caftan reveal. Okay. Like she's wearing a caftan and then through a ceremony she removes it and underneath it is another caftan. Oh, okay. Yes. So it's just like, you know, wig reveal on wig reveal. But, but a caftan, caftan reveal on caftan reveal. There you go. Yes. She's innovative that way. <laughs> and what does she sing? I think she does like a prayer by Madonna. Oh, okay. I mean, I think that's sort of like her, you know, finale mm-hmm. piece. Life is a mystery. Is. Exactly. Everyone must stand alone. Mm-hmm. I hear you call my name. So, and I feel like everybody is a part of her, mm-hmm. you know, act and, mm-hmm. you know, the rituals of her act mm-hmm. and with every turn. So, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between, please welcome to the stage, Sarah Money. So, I was still driving the car on the way up the chain of Craters Road. Right. And the way we did this was we wanted to avoid paying for a second driver on the rental car. So, I was just the driver for on this time Big Island, in, yeah. on Big Island. Yeah. And then we changed it to you on the next, you know, time we rented a car on our next place. So we were driving back and now we're headed up, which was giving me even more ajda. Yeah. We get to the point where we see the pull off for the Pu'u Loa petroglyphs. Honey, if there's not a single person in this world who's more excited by petroglyphs, it is this queen sitting right here. <laughs> I love, 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 love. I know. And we miss them. Uh, we miss them when we were in um, Capitol Reef. So we I was glad that them. we were able to like see them when we were here. That was like a something that we wanted to really make sure that we did, even though we were incredibly exhausted. We were. And we definitely had like a game time decision to make where like I was in the car and we were both like, are we doing it? Yeah. Are we pulling over? Yeah. We were exhausted. Yeah. We still had a long day. drive. Yeah. We had a long drive ahead of us. And I was like, 
we're not missing these petroglyphs again. Yeah. No. So we pulled over and we parked. Yeah. And it was about a 0.7 mile hike out to where the petroglyphs were. Right. I am just, I'm so obsessed with petroglyphs. It is literally like the carvings and writings of the people who have come before us and used the land before us and um, told their stories this way. And so I am just, I love them and I live for it. So after getting out of the car, the trailhead was right there uh, on the right side. It looked from the perspective of where we were starting that it was going to be like a little bit of like a little up and down sort of trail. It wasn't any elevation gain. Um, It was pretty much a straight shot out, but there was definitely some like climbing over some rock and like climbing up like different stepped areas of like terraces in the earth that had been like naturally formed. And like when you first started, you actually kind of dropped down from the roadway and get on the path. And it's mostly a dirt path. But again, like I said, there's like some rock stuff that you have to there's like rock outcroppings that you have to actually climb over and kind of like work your way out to get to the petroglyph trail itself which is like a wooden square wooden boardwalk um it was a square wooden boardwalk mm-hmm. and it wasn't very big no it's not big when you're but out there there's a sign that's like it says look down right it also says do not touch the petroglyphs right and oh my goodness do not touch the petroglyphs right. Don't touch animals, don't touch plants, don't touch the petroglyphs. <laughs> but there are over 23,000 petroglyphs. They have images and motifs, including couples or holes. There's motifs of circles, and there's other geometric shapes, as well as some cryptic designs, human representations, canoes, sails, and feathered cape motifs. And this is coming right from the NPS site on Hawaii Volcanoes. Petroglyphs were incredible. I don't think oh we've ever God. seen like such a concentration before. And they were such to your left and right. Left and right. And they were so close. I mean, you literally could reach out and touch them, which I'm sure people do. Yeah. But I didn't because you're not supposed to. Exactly. Because you could, the oils on your hands can ruin the petroglyphs. Yes. Just looking at all of them and like, In some of them, you could kind of track some stories, and in others, stories weren't as clear. But the fact that, you know, there was so much of them. I think we stood there, we we walked around there and, like, looked at everything. And, I mean, I think we were there for, like, at least a half an hour. Yeah, I think that it is very engaging if you're interested by history and archaeology and just, like, the history of the peoples of the land. Like, this was an incredible way to kind of feel familiarized with the spirit of these people and how that land was important to them. Um, The cool thing I thought was, though, on the way back, realizing after we'd gotten off the boardwalk, how many petroglyphs we saw along the way. Oh my God, I know. I don't think we realized as we were headed out because we were talking and I think we were just trying to keep our brains active. We played a lot of one letter change on the way out and we were still taking in the scenery, but we weren't looking down like the sign had said. And there really weren't many people on the trail. There was like a few families that had walked out. So we really did have a lot of kind of solitude out there, which was really nice because you really could engage with the petroglyphs themselves and even on the way back you could really pay attention more to what was happening on the ground around you because i think you know your eyes get trained to really like spot them Mm -hmm. and like see them and as you're walking around this square boardwalk which again is not very big no you know you're looking at all these you know flat rocks in the ground like with all of these petroglyphs all over them and then you still continue to see them when you get off of the boardwalk and head back on the trail, they're on the rocks that are 
near the boardwalk. And then we even spotted some like way further out. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they did say like, look around because you'll see them, you know, on your way out too. Yeah. Which is clearly why they, you know, put the trail where they put it and designed it the way they designed it so that, you know, you can see as many as you can. Yes. Um, the one thing that was really interesting was uh, that I found, you know, the petroglyphs themselves, but they're the cupules or um, those holes that were in that bored into the rock. Those were really fascinating too. I believe that like the the placards that were there said that this was like a way to kind of like connect to family lineage. There, there are a lot of different things that aren't unknown about cupules. They are motifs that are found in every um, continent except for Antarctica. It's really interesting to kind of like see that that's something that is also on Hawaii. Because I think we'd seen petroglyphs before, but had never never seen these cupules before. Yeah, noticing them. Yeah. So as we were hiking back out from the boardwalk, it was a really kind of lovely walk back. And I think we were both really excited that we had made the decision to do this. Oh, yeah. As we were getting closer, there was an older couple, like right at the start of the trailhead when we came back. And they were like, is it worth it to do it? And we were like, oh, 100%. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think they were like, oh, we love petroglyphs, but we don't know if we really want to take the walk out. And we're like, no, this is like the most petroglyphs either of us have ever seen. You have to have to go out yeah. there. Um, and they definitely like were like, okay, thanks for the advice. Like, we really appreciate it. Who knows if they actually went out there. Right. But because um, right after that, we got into the car and we drove that chain of craters road right out of that section yeah and then out of basically hawaii volcanoes that evening that evening yeah so we had like a good 45 minute drive back to where we were staying and we were in the park from 8 a.m to probably five or six so we had spent the full day it was really long day these three episodes are one day in this national park and it does feel like it could be 30 days (laughs) it does feel like it could be like reflecting back on it but yeah we we're able to see, you know, despite the fact that there was a lot that was closed, the park itself is so engaging and it's so different from any park because it's so varied in its like different regions and zones. Like being able to stand in like a sulfur pit field, um, being able to stand within a crater or at the edge of a caldera to go through a rainforest, like there really isn't a park that we've experienced that's like this with its varied landscapes. And I think that was like one of the most special things that we were able to to see by going to Hawaii Volcanoes. And it's something that'll stick with me for a long time. It's going to stick with me too. So let's put the hikes that we did um, in this final episode of Hawaii Volcanoes on the Karen Stone scale. Dusty, let's talk about the Devastation Trail. Yeah. It's hard to even put it on the scale. Because it's flat. It's a flat road, but there are some, you know, things you got to avoid. Yeah. You know, cracks in the road, things like that. And then, you know, the other part. Yeah, I would say like a one or a two. I'm going to give it a one just because I feel like it. I made a choice there. See what I did? I did. Um, I like that. <laughs> I I'm going to give gonna, it a one. I think I'm going to go down to a one for okay. me too. Yeah. So it was like two out of 20. A nice little walk um, where you got to see some things, some exactly. really cool things. It's definitely worth the trip. What about the um, Petroglyph Trail? That I would give that um, like maybe a, a three. Okay. There, it was some like up and down, yeah. and, but it wasn't too bad. I'm going to go with the two. Great. Um, I think I probably would have gone higher 
if I felt like I, most of my like exhaustion from that trail just became came from the fact that I was tired. Um, so I do feel like a two is warranted just because it was a decent amount of walking to get out to the boardwalk itself. And like you said, there's some up and down that you have to kind of deal with along the way. So a five out of 20 Karen stones. And now it's time for some jeopardy. We end every episode with two rounds of jeopardy. Mike, what is your round of jeopardy today? My round of jeopardy is called chain of fools. So I was inspired by Mm -hmm. the chain of craters road, but also the Aretha Franklin song chain of fools. Of course. So in this round of jeopardy, I'm going to be giving you three actors and they are all within a comedy film. You need to name the comedy film. Oh, I'm so ready. So Chain of Fools. Here we go. Chain of Fools for 100. Diane Keaton, Bette Midler, and Goldie Hawn. How dare you assume <laughs> that I wouldn't know this? I was lobbing you an easy one first. Um, for, uh-huh, the First Wives Club. Great, the First Wives Club. Excellent. Do you need me to quote the entire screenplay? <laughs> no, I, I don't. Can. I mean, that's your other one-man that show. was a golden glow. <laughs> um, Chain of Fools for 200. Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Steve Buscemi. Whack the dog? Not Wag the dog. No, what, what is, is the it? Big Lebowski? No. Movies I didn't see. <laughs> <laughs> Chain of Fools for 300. Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Kate Ashfield. Oh, um, is this um, Shaun of the Dead? It is Shaun of the Dead. Oh, that was a you shot deep. in the dark. You dug deep. <laughs> <laughs> Chain of Fools for 400. Chevy Chase, Rodney Dangerfield, Bill Murray. Caddyshack? That's correct. Mm. What is Caddyshack? Great. And Chain of Fools for 500. John Cleese, Jamie Lee Curtis, Kevin Klein. Oh, is this um, Dave? It's not Dave. Oh, is it In and Out? It's not In and Out. What is that? It's A Fish Called Wanda. Oh, A Fish Called Wanda. Right, I was saying, <laughs> what was that mumbles over there? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Great. That's What's true. your Jeopardy, Dusty? My category is called The Land Before Time. Oh. Inspired by the 1988 film Land Before Time. These are all questions about the 1988 film. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, there we go. So, um, and that is because, uh, yeah, it feels like you are in The Land Before Time when you are in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. So that is why I was inspired. Great. Are you ready? The Land Before Time for 100. Produced in 1998 and released with a G rating after cutting many fully animated scenes at the risk of it being too violent for children, the executive producers of The Land Before Time were Steven Spielberg, Kathleen Kennedy, Frank Marshall, and this iconic director-producer, who was known for setting one of his films in Endor. Who is George Lucas? Correct. Seriously, apparently there was like a lot of back and forth about the PG versus the G rating. Mm. And they were like, we won't sell if we're not G rated. Yeah. So they had to cut many full animated scenes. 200. Great. Near the beginning of the film, the hero Littlefoot and his friend Sarah are attacked by a sharp tooth, which is another name for this type of dinosaur. A Tyrannosaurus Rex? Correct. And do we remember what happens? He gets stuck in a cave, right? Yeah, and his mother comes to help them. Right. And, um... Are you going to make me cry on this podcast? I am. (laughs) I am. There is soon an earthquake, and it swallows up the sharp tooth and Littlefoot's mother. I know. I know. This movie traumatized me as a child. 
No, but I watched it so many I times. Know. I know. Okay, 300. Soon after, Littlefoot meets this big mouth character who constantly utters, yep, yep, yep. Who's Ducky? Correct. <laughs> okay, 400. The Land Before Time was nominated for Best Family Animation or Fantasy Motion Picture at the 10th Annual Youth and Film Awards, but lost to another film starring a very, very dead Michael Keaton. What is Jack Frost? Incorrect. What is Beetlejuice? Oh, okay. Yeah. I wouldn't ever think that was like a family film. Yeah. Fan- well, they put family animation and fantasy motion picture together okay. in the same category. Was he also in Jack Frost as like the dead dad that comes back as the snowman? I don't know. Yeah. 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 I think so. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Affirmed. Affirmed. But not was. correct in this question. Not answer. here. No. That's all right. And that movie was 1998, okay. a full 10 years later. There we go. Okay. 500. Spanning from 1988 to 2016. There have been this many films in the Land Before Time franchise. What is 10? Incorrect. Oh. What is 14? Oh, my God. They made 14 of those movies. All girl. straight to DVD or VHS. <laughs> I mean, now straight to streaming. Yeah. But I mean, that happened before. And that was the Land Before Time. This has been Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast, and we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. To follow along with images from this episode, follow us on Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gazeatthenationalparks at gmail.com. And to see a more in-depth view of this park and any of the other parks that we've talked about on the podcast, visit our website at gazeatthenationalparks.com. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. This episode was edited by Dustin Ballard. All original artwork featured on Instagram and on our website is by Michael Ryan. All original music was written by Dave Seaman and performed by Dave Seaman with Mariella Klinger and Sean Sklios. Our music producer is Skylar Ford. Gang. We would like to acknowledge that while hiking in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, we were hiking on the traditional lands of the Kanaka Uwivi people. Stay tuned for our adventures in Haleakala National Park on the island of Maui.